We just welcome those that are on Facebook Live today and those that are maybe listening by way of radio on WAFC, uh, Country 105, I think it is. Um, thank you for tuning in today. We just bless you today. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to, uh, I want to go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we'll get there in just a minute. Who's the happiest person in church today? While you're turning there, I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, uh, this uh, next Sunday, uh, Pastor Andrew Kennedy, uh, all the way from South Africa, he's going to be in service with us Sunday. He's going to be preaching for us on Sunday morning. Man, some of you will remember he was here probably seven or eight years ago and just brought a, an amazing word. And uh, he's going to be with us this coming Sunday. He's flying in from Africa. I'll meet him on Saturday, and, and he'll be here on Sunday. So we're going to have a great day in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That'll be next Sunday, so just make sure you invite somebody to come and hear what the Lord has to say through him. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to skip around just a little bit. Guys in the back, just kind of follow me the best you can. I know I gave a set of scriptures, but I'm going to skip around a little bit just for the sake of time. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. Drop down with me, if you would, to verse number 6. Then, John, then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself, and here I am with you, according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will reveal ourselves to them. Somebody shout, Reveal. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be a sign to you. Look with me. Well, let me just read a little bit more. And, and when both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistine says, Behold, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us. And we're going to tell you something. In other words, come on up here, boys, and we're going to show you something about fighting. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer put some to death after him. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within a half a furrow in an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp. I just want to say this real quick. I'm not going to preach all this, but 
I believe there's going to be some trembling in the devil's camp. There's going to be some trembling in the enemy's camp. In the field and among the people, even the garrison and the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked that it became a great trembling. Look with me in verse number 23. Just drop down to verse number 23. So the Lord delivered Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond Beth Haven. The Lord delivered Israel that day. Now, real quickly, just for the sake of time, I want to draw your attention back to verse number six. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. One translation says of these uncircumcised Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. The King James says, and it just may be that the Lord will work for us for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. Notice notice that Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let us go over to the garrison. I'm told in military terms, according to Bible terms in those days, that a garrison was 2,600 men. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let's you and I go against the 2600 and it just may be that the Lord will work for us it just may be that the Lord will help us in other words let me put it to you in everyday English every now and then you just got to go pick a fight that's what I'm going to preach on today every now and then you just have to go pick a fight Come on, push on somebody in your zip code and tell them you got to pick a fight every now and then. Come on, loosen yourself up a little bit and tell them you just got to get ready to fight. Every now and then, you just have to pick a fight. Amen? How many are ready to put the devil in his place instead of the devil trying to put you in a place? Come on, I can't get no help right now. How many are really ready to put the pressure back on the enemy and say this is as far as you're going to take it? In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're in this place today both to do your will and your good pleasure. Thank you today, Lord, for those that have gathered. Thank you for today to those that are listening and watching by social media and radio. And Father, we just give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do in this service today. Lord, I thank you already that there's victory in the house. Lord, I thank you today that somebody is going to walk out of here different than the way they came in. And Lord, we just give you all the praise for that now and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen, amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Lee Greenwood. I mean, Pastor Porter. That was awesome this morning. Didn't he do a great job? Wasn't that awesome? I mean, Lee Greenwood don't have nothing on him. Amen. All throughout Scripture, God comes to us in many different forms and fashions. Many times, God reveals himself to us in various ways through types and shadows. God's revealed to us metaphorically. Uh, God can be revealed to us parabolically uh, or even allegorically in Scripture. Many times, God is revealed through similitudes. All of these different forms that God has revealed to us, 
he shows us and he communicates to us that he's a living God. That the God that we serve is a speaking God. He's a moving God. God is on the move. So in order to stay current with God, we have to understand that God is not stagnant. God is not stale. Talk to me up in here. God is not stuck. God is moving. Come on, look at somebody say, God is moving. God is moving. He's a moving God. So, so in order to stay current with God, you got to be moving with God. If, he, if he's a moving God, Jesus comes along and Mark, and he says, he says uh, he said there's a 30-fold, a 60-fold, and a 100-fold because God is progressive. Because God is a moving God. He's not stuck. He's not stale. He's not stagnant. If he's water, then he's living water because he's moving. If he's a well, he's a well springing up for everlasting life because it's a well that's flowing. If he's wind, then he's a mighty rushing wind because the wind is blowing. The wind is moving. If he's a fire, then he's an all-consuming fire. Because the fire is moving. The fire in the presence of God is moving. And then you get over into the New Testament and Jesus comes along and he says, follow me. Indicating that I'm not stuck. Because you can't follow somebody that ain't going nowhere. So Jesus gives the, in, the instruction, says, you got to follow me because I'm moving. If you want to be where I am, you got to get to where I am. Follow me because I'm not stuck, I'm not stale, I'm moving. So understand this morning that God is moving and, 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 and our culture or the circumstances that we find ourselves faced with, we cannot allow those things to begin to put boundaries or define what God is trying to do because God is moving. And life, and just, just hear me out for a moment. I'm going to preach this out in just a moment. I just want to make sure we start off right. Life can be full of disappointments. Y'all so cold, y'all can't even say amen. Life can be full of discouragements. Life can be full of trials and tribulations. Life can be full of hard times and even setbacks. But we understand that even in the midst of all that, God is moving. Jesus comes along in the New Testament in John 16, He says, these things that I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace. But in the world, you're going to have some tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have already overcome the world. He said, in me, you're going to have peace. Somebody shout peace. That, that word peace is the, the Greek word arene, which literally means more than just uh, the absence of, of, of havoc and rage, it's literally a favorable set of circumstances. So Jesus was saying, he says, in me, you're going to have a favorable set of circumstances. In the world, you got some tribulation, same word for pressure, same word for oppression, same word for depression. But in me, you have a favorable set of circumstances, and in the world, you got all this pressure. You, gotta, you have to identify what world you want to live in. And so he said, in me, you're going, to have all, you're going to have all these favorable set of circumstances, but in the world, you're going to have all this pressure. That is the hope that every believer 
has in Christ Jesus. That we have a favorable set of circumstances in Christ. In Christ, we have the Christos, the anointed one, and his anointing. We as believers have the anointing. I'm going to work it out in a minute. We as believers have the anointing. That means we are anointed to overcome. We are anointed to prevail. 1 John 2.20 says you have an anointing from the Holy One. Yeah? 1 John 2.27 says the anointing you have received abides in you. You have an anointing. Come on, push on somebody and tell them you have an anointing. If you are a born-again believer, you have an anointing on the inside of you. You have the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one and his anointing living on the inside of you. David says in the Old Testament, Psalms 92.10, I have been anointed with fresh oil. There's an anointing that abides in you. There's an anointing that you possess. And because that anointing abides in you, then your setbacks, your trials, your trauma, your situation, your circumstances, is nothing more than a platform for a comeback. Come on, look at somebody next to you and tell them, I ain't staying down every, every day. Come on, just tell them, I ain't staying down every day. There's a comeback. There's a comeback in my life. The anointing gives me the ability to bounce back. The anointing gives me the ability to prevail over every obstacle, over every trial, over every trauma, and over every dilemma. The anointing is the ability of God. The anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's what the anointing is. So when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you received an anointing in your life that gives you the ability to overcome the struggles of life. There's not a mountain too high, there's not a valley too low, and there's not a devil too big that can stand against the anointing. I clap for myself. I'm telling you, there's an anointing on your life to overcome. And when you begin to realize and recognize that you have been anointed for the hour in which you live, you won't live your life by circumstances. When you begin to realize that I've been anointed to do great exploits for the kingdom of God, then you're not going to live your life based on the news report. When you understand that you have the Christos, the anointing power of Jesus Christ, the same anointing that dwelled in Jesus is the same anointing that dwells in you. The same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that will get you up. Amen. So we have this anointing. The anointing, this will be on the screen for you. The anointing does not promise to keep the gates of hell from coming against you. It just prevents them from prevailing over you. That's what the anointing does. It's interesting to me that, that when you study and, and begin to look at just the nature of God, you find out that God is immutable, meaning that God doesn't change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever. He's immutable. He doesn't change. God is consistently consistent, right? He's consistently consistent in his nature. If he was a way maker, then he is a way maker and he will be a way maker. Not only is God immutable, but God is also unpredictable. 
And even though you can't find any inconsistencies in his nature or his character, there will always be unpredictability in his activity. In other words, God will always make a way where there seems to be no way. You, you, You can predict who he will always be, but you can't always predict how he's always going to do a thing. His nature is consistent. His character is consistent. But when God wants to do a thing, you can't predict that because God will show up in many fashions, in many forms. And God will bail you out. God will lift you up. God will strengthen you. God will do whatever it takes just to let the enemy know you can't take it any further because there's an anointing on the inside of them that will cause them to rise. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, I will not stay down forever. Come on, tell them that. Just when you thought there was no way left to do a thing, God begins to make a way. Hallelujah. This will be on the screen for you, just a couple verses here so we can get to the preaching part. Look what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have what? And that you might have it abundantly. He comes to steal, meaning you used to have it, but now it's gone. It was taken from you. It no longer exists in your life. He comes to kill. In other words, it was alive, and it was flourishing, and it was bearing fruit, but now there's no evidence of fruit or life. He comes to destroy, meaning there was something in your life that could have been powerful, but the enemy stopped it. He destroyed it. He hindered it, or he crippled it. Jesus said, that's what the enemy comes to do to your life. But I have come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. That word abundantly is the word parasos, which literally means super abundance, excessive abundance. In other words, it's the same word for he's more than enough. Just look at somebody and tell you that he's a more than enough God. He's a too much God. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You got to know that's what the enemy's going to do in your life. But Jesus said, I have come to counter what the enemy's doing. I've come to give you something that's above the power of the enemy. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming to take. He's coming to rob. He's coming to destroy. But I have come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. Have it over and above kind of life. Have a super excessive life. Have a life where there's more than enough. Now, I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about spiritual spiritual things. I'm talking about natural things. God comes to give us a life in the spirit that's more than the life in the natural because you can take my possessions, but as long as I have his presence, as long as I have an anointing abiding on the inside of me, I may have to take the mandatory 10 count, but sooner or later, I'm going to dust off my shoulders. I'm going to straighten up my neck and I'm going to gauge in the fight again because I'm going to let the devil know you may have hit me, but you didn't knock me out. You may have pushed on me, but you didn't knock me down because the greater one lives on the inside of me. And I came here today to tell somebody, sometimes you just got to get mad enough in your spirit, not in your flesh, but in your spirit to look back at the devil and say, you have gone as far as you're going to go with this dilemma. 
him, I'm about to pick a fight with you. You've been picking fights with me. You've worked on my children. You've worked on my marriage. You've worked against my home. But I am coming back because the greater one lives on the inside of me. I've been anointed for the hour in which I live. I've been called by God to this generation. I've been called by God to lead my family. I've been called by God to instruct my family. And I refuse to stay down. I refuse to roll over and play dead. As long as the anointing is on the inside of me, I will get back up. I will get back up and I will throw another punch. I will fight my way back through. I may have to come through trauma and trial and tribulation. But at the end of the day, I have a favorable set of circumstances. Come on, I wish you would push on somebody and tell them you got to loosen up a little bit now. You got to loosen up a little bit. We, we have to engage in the fight. And every now and then, you have to pick a fight. You have to say something. You have to do something. You have to declare something. You have to stand on something. Look with me in Psalms 110. I'm about ready to preach. I'm about to get my, my motors warmed up here. Psalms 110. Look with me in verse number one. It says, it says it this way. I'll just read it from the screen. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This is a conversation that David got access to when, when the Father God was talking to his son Jesus. When the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And the Lord will stretch forth his strong scepter from Zion. Somebody shout Zion. Zion is the church. And the Lord will stretch forth his scepter from Zion saying, what? Rule in the midst of your enemies. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. But you have to learn how to rule in the hard times. You have, to have, you have to learn how to rule in the places of tribulation. You have, to have, you have to learn how to rule in the places that are not convenient. When everything in your life is going good, it's easy to praise the Lord. When everything in your life is going good, it's easy to show up at church. But when everything in your life becomes a struggle, that's when you have to learn how to rule in the midst of your enemies. David said in Psalms 23, says, Thou hast prepared a table before me in the midst of my enemies, and my head has been anointed with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You have to know that even in the midst of my enemies, God has caused the table to be spread in the midst of my enemies. So I may be, I may look like I've been weather torn. I may look like I've gone through a storm, but at the end of the day, baby, we're about to cross over and we're going to see the power of God move. That's what he's talking about. Rule in the midst of of your enemies. In this life, it's been made clear that through Scripture, that we've been chosen by God to rule and to reign victoriously on earth. Each and every person that has been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ qualifies for rulership. Thank you for no amens. <laughs> 
You've been qualified for rulership. 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this, even our faith, overcomes. The next verse says, and who is the one who overcomes? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you are qualified to overcome. For whatever is born of God overcomes. So if you've been born of God, if your spirit has been born of God, then you qualify to rule. Amen. You qualify to overcome. Who is the one who qualifies? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, when you begin to walk in the light of the revelation of who Christ is in you, because let me just help you. I don't want to mess with your, your theology too much, but just let me help you. The world isn't going to get better, but the church can get stronger. The world's not going to get any better, but the church can get stronger. And when the church becomes strong in the midst of a crazy world, then we begin to influence the people in the world towards Jesus. But when the church is struggling like the world, then there's nothing for the world to reach for. There's nothing for the world to hope to. That's why we understand as a, as a body of believers that God has called us, God has equipped us for this generation. You could have been born at any other given time in the history of mankind, but God knew the day and the hour in which you were born. He knew the generation in which you would be born into. He knew the year that you would be born into. He knew the generation of your time span that you would be born into, and he had enough confidence in you that you would make a difference in a world that's gone crazy. He had enough confidence in you that you would rise up and be the believer that he's called you to be and overcome the trauma that's in the world so we understand today that 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 we are anointed now just a little bit more teaching we are anointed to rule and not run yeah we're anointed to rule and not run what determines the victory in every battle is you push on somebody next to you and say it's on you now Well, if I just had a better set of circumstances, no. Well, if I just had a better husband, (laughs) no. Well, if my kids would just act right, no. It's you. You. Every battle is determined by you. Well, my, 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 my upbringing wasn't good. It don't matter. It's where you're at now. The battle may not even have been your choice, but winning is. You, you may not have chosen the battles that you're in. Maybe you, may, None of us chose the last 20 months of a crazy pandemic. None of us woke up and said, I can't wait for a pandemic to hit so we can lose loved ones and go through all this mess in our nation. Nobody woke up believing for that. But ladies and gentlemen, we didn't choose the battle, but we're going to choose who wins at the end of the day. We didn't choose to get into this fight. But by God, if you're going to show up at my door, come on, you got to talk to the devil. If you're going to show up walking in my house, I'm going to let you know you are picking a fight with the wrong person and 
And at the end of the day, when the enemy understands that you have been anointed by God, anointed by the Holy Ghost, he will begin to take notice of the fire of God on the inside of you. And he will be reluctant to tap on your door. He will be reluctant because you realize this. The moment you mess with me, you made a serious world-class mistake because I don't get bitter. I'm going to get better in the midst of the conflict. Push on somebody and tell them this is the way God has designed me to be. Come on, just tell them this is the way God's designed me to be. I'm about to preach in a minute if y'all just get a little bit excited. It's not just enough to believe in Jesus. You got to start living like Jesus. Huh? You got to start living on the level of your anointing. You, you can't just say, well, I believe that God can do it. No, you got to believe that God's going to do it through me. Yeah? So in our text today, just hurrying along here, in our text, we find where Saul and his army, the army that God uh, has, has, has appointed, anointed, and anointed. And Saul and his army has settled for the security of shade tree living. They're sitting under the pomegranate tree. They are comfortable with their misery. They're comfortable with an impending threat of an enemy because they're intimidated by the size of their enemy. They're intimidated by the fierceness of their enemy. So rather than picking a fight, they said, we're just going to play it safe. Wonder how many Christians have that kind of attitude. Don't say it too loud. You don't want the devil to hear it. Listen, I said it for his good. I want the devil to know you can hit me if you want to, but the greater one lives on the inside of me. Come on, I'm going to throw an offering to myself in a minute. God's appointed and anointed army who was commanded by God. This, this is not a suggestion. It was commanded by God for them to destroy the Philistines. And they had been reduced. The army of God, the church of God, had been reduced to living in holes and caves and hiding out in valleys and dark places. It's one thing to suffer defeat or even have a setback, but it's another thing when you start accepting the attitude or the behavior of a setback, or you start accepting the attitude or the behavior of a defeat. This will be on the screen for you. Setbacks are only a process, not an address. Huh? Setbacks are only a process. It's not an address. <laughs> Sooner or later, you got to know, I ain't built for this cave. <laughs> Sooner or later, you got to begin to realize, I ain't built to hide in darkness all the days of my life. I've been anointed to let my light shine. I am a city set on a hill. Huh? That's what happened to this army. They had settled with the attitude of defeat. Anointed now. Anointed to overcome, but yet they're living, in, but they're living in defeat. And Jonathan makes this statement in verse number 8. That just This is where I'm hinged everything I'm saying on. He makes this statement in verse number 8. He says, 
we will cross over and reveal ourselves to them. That word reveal is the Hebrew word galah, which literally means to uncover or to expose or to display. It means to go forth. It literally means to advertise. Jonathan was saying, we're about to put God on the showroom floor. We're about to advertise God. (laughs) I know there's a garrison out there. There's 2,600 men, and it's just you and I. 2,600 against two. That's the odds are 1,300 to one. I'll take out 1,300 if you get the other 1,300. And John said, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to reveal ourselves to them. In other words, we're just going to step into the middle of this arena without any guarantees of success, but it just may be that the Lord will work for me. It just may be that if I will step out in faith and believe God in my life, after all, we are the anointed of Israel. After all, we are God's favorite chosen people. After all, we are the apple of his eye. Come on, talk to me. After all, God has appointed us and anointed us. And it just may be that when we get in the midst of this battle, it just may be that God is about to show up. Sometimes you just got to let God advertise himself through you. Sometimes you just got to show up and say back to the enemy, "Uh -uh, not today, baby. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice over everything that's going on. Now watch this real quickly. The the Philistines were no ordinary enemy to Israel. If you follow historically the narrative of the Philistines, you'll find out that that, that they were more experienced in combat. They were more experienced in combat than even the Amalekites, uh, the Moabites, and even even the Midianites. They, They were way far more aggressive than all these other armies. They were far more experienced than all these other tribes of enemies. The Philistines were relentless. They were cruel and they were merciless. They had had no pity for nothing. They would come through and they would kill women and children. It didn't matter to them. They just wanted, they had one agenda and that was to annihilate the covenant people of God. That was the agenda of the Philistines. They wanted to make sure that God's people would be eradicated from the earth. The Philistines had a stronghold over Israel and they were pressing them on every side to eradicate them and to annihilate God's people on the planet. Sounds like your devil, don't it? The devil has a plan to eradicate your life on this planet. He has no, he, he, he is cruel. He's merciless. He comes in with a vengeance and that's what the Philistines were. That's why most of the time, anytime somebody addressed the Philistine, they called them uncircumcised Philistines because they were letting you know they're not in covenant with God. They hate God. They resist God. They're after everything that God has for you. That's a picture of the devil that's coming after you on every side and every turn. And if you just sit back and play it safe, the enemy's going to keep running over you. He's going to keep putting running roughshod over your life, your family, your children. Your children will be disconnected from God. Your 
marriage will be disconnected from God. Everything you put your hands to will not be blessed because you are disconnected from God. You can know God by name, but if you don't know God by relationship, you will stay fully disconnected from God. And the Philistines were coming in with a vengeance. I'm trying to say something to this house today. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have time for shade tree living. We have to know and understand that there is a fierce enemy out there and he's after everything that's like God on the inside of me. And if I don't get up, if I don't rise up, if I don't pick a fight every now and then, he's going to get the upper hand in my generation. Amen. They, they were not ordinary. They had this stronghold over Israel all for 40 years. They kept Israel beat down until David began to rise. Because remember when David went against Goliath? Remember how David talked to him? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Remember that? Who is this that thinks that he can defy the ranks of Israel? Sometimes you just got to say to the devil, who do you think you are? Don't you realize who you messing with? <laughs> Don't you realize that I have been appointed by God? It's not by might, not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not saying you, you become braggadocious in yourself, but you brag on the God that's in you. Ooh, I know it's cold out there, but y'all going to have to warm up sooner or later. But Jonathan said, we're just going to take a moment and respond to this moment. We're going to respond to this opportunity, and we're going to advertise God. We're going to give God something to work with. The reason why many churches are not advancing on the levels of their anointing is because we have settled for the security of shade tree living. And we're not living up to the level of our anointing. We're living in the safe zone and not the faith zone. And God will never give you a lifestyle where faith is not necessary. Pastor Tina said a while ago, mentioning the building. It's, it's not about a building. That's just, that, that, that's just, that's, that just becomes the outer reflection of our attitude. That's all the building is. That's, that's, everything you see on this campus, I mean, it, nothing happened just because somebody was playing it safe. I promise you. I promise you. We rolled the dice of faith a bunch of times. Sometimes we have to roll it every month just to keep the lights on. Because, you know, some saints of God ain't good tithers. Everybody just look at me. Just look at me. Just look at me. Just look at me. You know, because because we tithe when we got enough. We give when we got enough. But we don't do it out of obedience. And what you do is you come into shade tree living. Because you're just playing it comfortable. And you're playing it safe. Because you're using the higher odds that are in your favor. But faith says, I don't need odds in my favor. I don't have to have the moon and the stars to line up to believe God. All I have to have is a word from God that gives me the opportunity to believe God and watch God move the heavens and the earth and align them for my good. So, so he, said, he said, we're not going to live under this shade tree. We're going to address the enemy. 
We're going to take care of this opportunity. Leonard Ravenhill said it best. He said, when God gives you an opportunity of a lifetime, it must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. It's got to be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. The regrets that most people experience in life come from failing to act when you have an opportunity. When opportunities come, watch this now, they only come as an invitation, not a guarantee. Because God's never going to remove the equation of faith. He'll give us the opportunity, but you still have to move in faith. Check it on the mic one, two. When God invites you into a greater realm, and he begins to open up doors of opportunity, and we don't respond, then the scenery of your life will never change. I mean, when God gives you an opportunity to work on your marriage and you don't work on your marriage, then the scenery of your marriage will never change. And you can blame it on her. You can blame it on him. You can blame it on them. You can blame it on your in-laws, your outlaws. You, You can blame it on everybody around you. But until you take responsibility for where you're at right now, until you begin to work on the moment where it's at right now and let the power of God invade your moment right now, then the scenery of your life will never change. If you're always fussing and arguing, guess what? Ten years from now, you're always going to be fussing and arguing. (laughs) Y'all not not going to get excited with me, are you? Okay, I'll take it by myself. If you, if you, if, listen, if you, if you don't work on raising your children godly, I think Pastor Tina said the world's going to disciple them. The world will train them. The world will train them to hate God. I don't care how much they flower it up. I don't care how much they pump it up. The world's going to train your children to hate God. If you don't become a discipler in your home, the world will resist them to hate God. Yeah. So you got to seize the moment. In the lifetime of that moment, when God invites us into a moment, and when I look around at our nation, I look at all the distress and the stress and all the oppression and the trials and the trauma that so many people are going through. I don't see it as a dark place. I see it as a place where God's light can move in and bring hope to the hurting. I don't just check out and say, well, it's just always going to be like this. No, 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 not in my zip code. Not, not, not in my neighborhood. I just believe that God can turn it. Amen. So, so we understand that, that many times the situations that we find ourselves facing is the very context that God wants to reveal himself in. Notice this will be on the screen for you. The call to advance usually comes through the mouth of an enemy. When Goliath was taunting Israel, it was more than a threat. It was a call to advance. When Jonathan and his armor bearer went against the garrison of the Philistines, the last thing we read it in our text the last thing that Jonathan wanted to hear was, stay where you are. That's the last thing he wanted to hear. For Jonathan to stay where he was would be a sign of defeat. But the call to advance, we read it, they said, 
Come on up here if you want to, and we'll show you a thing or two. That's very sarcastic in Bible days. They were saying, come on up here, boys, and we'll show you how to skin a rabbit. <laughs> come on up here, and we'll take you to school on fighting. You just show up in here, and we'll take you to task. So for Jonathan to stay where he was would have been a sign of defeat. But the fact that the enemy began to taunt them. <laughs> the fact that the enemy began to release their voice against them was evidence that God just might be in this thing. The call to advance was his sign for victory. It was risky, it was crazy, and it was dangerous. But God can deliver by few or by many. God is not restrained. That's what we read. He's not restrained to deliver by few or by many. God can make it happen. And many believers want, want everything to be easy. Because easy don't put a demand on anything. And when you settle for easy, you stop growing. Amen. It's possible to be stuck on the same level for so long that you become so comfortable with it that even when there's an opportunity to get out of it, you won't press any further than the boundaries of your life because you have been stuck on that level for so long and you have gotten comfortable with your pain. You have become comfortable with your struggle. Amen. But I hope that ain't this church today. I'm not comfortable with shade tree living. I don't want to be comfortable with enemies taunting us when we know we can do great exploits for the kingdom of God. And if we're not careful, we'll get we'll, 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 to the point that we'll become so comfortable that, that, that we become tied to a level or we become tied to our experiences that when new opportunities are presented, we never reach for them. Amen. Let me say something to this house. Amen. Because we got, a, we, we, got a, we, got a, we got genres of people, genres of generations. We got older generations, middle-aged generations, and, and, and younger generations. Most of the older generations that's been here for the most of the time, they know, they know what it is to fight. Because everything you see on this campus was a result of their warfare. And there's some that have come on the battle scene. They're, they're the middle age, and they just been they've been they've been chipping along and helping. But there's some younger generations that haven't done anything. It's not your fault. You're just younger. But if you'll learn to pick up your sword and jump in this battle, the church will die with you. Amen. Amen. So 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 for me, the way I see it in in, in a New Testament church, it's not just one generation carrying the load. It's every generation carrying the load. It's every generation picking up a sword and fighting for the good of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. And so I believe what God is saying over this house, longevity-wise, God wants this the house to continue to be a generational church. We're 31 years old, right? Some of you weren't even born when we started. It's not your fault. You just weren't born. But can I tell you something? You ought to be picking up a sword by now. <laughs> you ought to be throwing babies in diapers by now. You ought to be doing something. Amen. Because God is moving. God is moving. He's not stagnant. He's not stuck. 
And, I, and I, let me just work on this so I can close here, but I want to say something that's going to shock you. Are you ready? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Uh, are you ready? I'm saying either y'all stayed up too late at the dance last night. I don't know whether it's cold this morning. The time got, you ought to be happy. The time, you got a whole nother hour of sleep and you ought to be in here refreshed right now. <laughs> I know what y'all did. Y'all went to bed at midnight thinking it was 11. That's what happened. You should have went to bed at nine thinking it was eight. This will be on the screen for you. The purpose of Jesus saving us is not that we would have a pain and suffering free life but that life would not be meaningless. That's why he saved us. I mean, we know he saved us, forgave us of our sins so that our eternal home can be in heaven. We, we, we got all the doctrinal side of salvation. We know that. But he, he didn't just save us to get us to heaven. He saved us so that our life would count on this planet so that we can make a difference in the generation in which we've been called to. Look how 1 Peter 4 puts it in the message translation. This will be on the screen. He said, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I just want to tell somebody, you're going through a process with some glory that's about to be revealed over your life. The hell that we're going through is waiting for the process to finish its course. Because glory is around the corner. Come on, tap on somebody in your zip code and tell them the glory, the glory. Come on, if you believe that, somebody shout the glory. The glory is around the corner. There is more to come. There is more God left. There is more power left. There's more anointing left. Don't think that it's just because of what I'm going through right now. Don't count me out just because it don't look good. I've got some storm clouds, but the sun's going to shine again. Weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning come on if you believe that give God a praise right there let me just press I got just a few minutes left God will God's will now this you got to just these these are just preaching points I'm just not going to preach them God's will for our lives is less about our comfort than it is about our contribution and, and, and if we're not careful, we're going to live with a Christian Americanized mentality that God just wants me happy. God just wants me comfortable. No, God wants you holy. God wants you powerful. God wants you mighty. He's not concerned about your comfort. He's not concerned about your little house and your white picketed fence. God wants something in your life that reflects his power, his glory. So everything I'm going through is a reflection of what God is doing through my life. And it may not feel good right now. And sometimes you've all known it. You've had to learn how to praise God with tears running down your cheeks. You've had to praise God through an emotional roller coaster. But you stood in faith. And you said, God, even though I don't understand it, even though it don't make sense, I don't know why this had to happen. I don't know why I had to go through this. But at the end of the day, you are still God. And you're still powerful. And you're still able to move because you're not stuck you're not stale but you're a God that moves in the midst of his people come on if you believe that give God a praise one time 
Come on, give him a praise like you know it's real. Like you know it's real. And we got every, we're going to close in five minutes, so just hang out with me. We, we, we got all these, I don't I call them manby-pandy Christians. They just, they just want everything secure. God never promised security. The only security you have is an eternal home. That's your security. And if you want anything more than that, then you're out of the will of God already. <laughs> Can't hardly say amen on that one, can you? Because you know why? We have been Americanized. God will never choose for us safety at the cost of significance. Did you hear what I said? He will never choose for us safety at the cost of significance. John the Baptist lost his head while preaching the good news. As a young man. He was a young man. He was in his early 30s. Lost his head while preaching the good news. Stephen was stoned to death when he preached his first sermon. And if you think the safest place to be is in the will of God, somebody better tell Paul he missed it. Somebody better remind Paul that you missed it because Paul said, man, I know what it's like to be up and down. I know what it's like to be beaten and shredded and locked down and locked over and watched over. I know what it's like. Somebody should have warned Paul that if the safest place to be is in the will of God, then you're missing it. Because the safest place is not to be in the will of God. It's just the most secure place you can be. God has created for us a life that would count. Not so that we could just spend our days counting our days. Amen. I'm trying to get us battle ready. That's what I'm trying to do. Because I told you all ago, the world ain't going to get better. Don't think for a moment that Satan's about to get saved. <laughs> His eternal damnation is on him. His eternal judgment is there. And, and let me just say this because there's a doctrine going. It's not a doctrine. It's, 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 it's a false teaching that says there is no heaven. There is no hell. You're in it. Just, just all kinds of crazy stuff. False teachers out there. That's why everybody's got to have a local house to be attached to. So you don't get crazy. Because just because you heard it on YouTube, podcast, whatever, whatever, whatever y'all listen to nowadays. Just because you heard it don't mean it's truth. So we have to destroy this Christian Cliche. Cliche. How do you say it? Cliche. Parlez-vous français? Cliche. That the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. That's not the safest place. That's the most dangerous place. But it's also the most rewarding place. You can be. Amen. 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 So we're challenged with difficulties. And all these challenges and difficulties, difficulties they're, they're, they're not a rejection. But it's just proof that we're making progress. 
the, the enemy don't mess with nobody that ain't doing nothing. Now, I know he'll mess with them a little bit, you know, because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But, but when you begin to put one foot in front of the other in the midst of everything that's going on around you, you become an assignment for the devil. Yeah? Opposition, this will be on the screen, opposition is the prophetic indicator of potential. It's what it is. What it is. So you can't just settle. You got to keep fighting. Amen? Amen. Let me give you these real quick, and then we'll go. I'm not even going to preach them. I'm just going to give them to you because I got way more notes than I got time. You couldn't even say amen on that one. Like, <laughs> y'all should have got y'all fell out in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let me give you three ingredients that contributes to victory. Number one, three ingredients that contribute to victory. Number one, you have to start where you are. Jonathan realized that if anything is going to change, he had to start where he was. Huh? Everybody under the sound of my voice wished we had better circumstances. Wished that we had better odds to start with. But God don't need a perfect environment to bring about a great victory. Huh? You have to start where you are. Watch this. This will be on the screen. Don't waste your time trying to improve the odds. I remember when we were trying to get loans to build our school building and all this stuff. I went to, I went to every local bank in town. And they just kept saying, we can't help you. We don't see it. We don't believe it's going to take off. We just, we're not going to help you. I went to every, I'm telling you, every local bank in town. If you work for one of those banks, God bless you. Praise the Lord for them. We're not mad at nobody. I'm just saying, they, they didn't see it the way we saw it. And so they kept rejecting us. They just said, no, we don't see it. We don't, we, it'll never take off. It'll never last. It, this town cannot afford uh, a Christian school, it ain't going to happen. So I just went from one bank to the next bank. I just, I, and it wasn't favorable odds, but you know what? We just kept showing up. We just kept moving. And then you know what? Then I got with uh, uh, Clyde and Dr. Carroll and some other guys, and we began to talk to some other bankers out of state. And you know what? They said, you know what? We can see what you're talking about. We can see a vision for what you're talking about. The odds were against us, but we just kept moving through the fight. We just kept moving through the obstacles until now we got a school at the end of this year and the part of next, by the part, by, by this time next year, that whole building will be paid off. Did you hear what I just said? That whole building will be paid off. It will be completely debt free but they didn't see it seven eight nine years ago they thought we lost our mind well we're like 155 kids later who's lost their mind who's lost their mind the odds were not in our favor but we started where we were we just started and God began to bless it there may be some people in here today and you're saying well I'm too old to start well let me challenge you with some history are you ready Sir Francis Chester He was 64 years old when he became the first person to single-handedly sail around the world. 64 years old. It's never too late to start. Winston Churchill was 65 when he became the prime minister of England that helped lead the war against the Nazis. Ronald Reagan was 77 years old when he stood at the Berlin Wall in Germany and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear that wall down. Michael Angelo was 66 years old when he painted the famous 
Sistine Chapel ceiling there at at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, Italy. He was 88 years old when he painted the Pauline uh, Sistine Chapel there in the Basilica in Rome, Italy. 88, laying on his back, painting a ceiling. I'm just trying to tell you, it's never too late to get started. And people say his Pauline work is some of his greatest greatest efforts that he's ever done as a painter at 88 years old push on your neighbor and say you got something left in the tank now you got something left I'm preaching harder than y'all responding George Bush senior the 41st president of the United States of America when he was 80 years old he went skydiving and he said why did you do that Mr. President he said because I was yelling back at Father Tom saying take this you old man I'm jumping out of a plane some of y'all can't even jump out of your seat you're never too old to start well somebody said well I'm just too young let me just work on some history with you for a moment some people say, well, I, I, they, they disqualify themselves because they're too young. Benjamin Franklin was 23 years old when he owned and he operated his own newspaper company. At the age of 25, he founded the nation's first public library. At the age of 30, he founded the nation's first fire department. At the age of 37, He invented the first nation's efficient stove. That don't mean nothing. It was if you lived back then. Get them biscuits right. You're never too young. David was was just a teenager when he went against Goliath. The Hebrew boys were just teenagers when when they began to own government offices in the land of Babylon. Mary was just a teenager when she got a visitation from the Lord. And she said, be it done unto me according to your word. Just a teenager. Joseph was just a teenager when he had a dream that he would oversee the nations of the world. You're never too young and you're never too old. You have to start where you are. Quit blaming everybody around you. Quit blaming the economy. Quit blaming our government. Quit blaming our nation. Y'all ain't, y'all, I'm telling you, I know. I know. Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be like Israel. I don't care if all of Egypt's under a plague, not in Goshen. Let me give you number two. I only got 30 of these. Number two. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number two. I only got three. You have to use what you have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Use what you have. Too many people are struggling over what they don't have and never put your focus on what you do have. All Jonathan had was a sword and a courage. He said, all I got is a sword and I got a little bit of courage. It's us against them. It's me against 2,600 men. But you know what? I'm not going to live under a pomegranate tree all the days of my life. I'm not going to stay in the shade of security. I'm going to step out. Somebody says, what if you die? Well, if I die, I die. But I'm going to die swinging the word of the Lord. I'm going to die trusting the Lord. I refuse to let the enemy have his rough shot over my life. His resources were limited, but he had to use what he had. 
You realize, according to Scripture, God will bless what you have. Luke 9, or Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. Listen, if you work for somebody, work with all your might. Somebody said, well, I want to own a business. Well, just start where you are right now. If you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, flip them right. I said flip them right. Be courteous to the people that are giving you money and paying your salary. Say thank you for your service. Thank you for coming through the drive-thru today. Thank you for showing up today. You helped paying my salary. Thank you very much. Don't be so rude and arrogant. And if you're going to put ketchup on it, then put some ketchup on it. Don't just act like it ain't your job to do it. If you're going to do one day you can own a restaurant if you'll flip the burgers right. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. If you work for a company, don't give them a half a day's work. Give them a full day's work. I don't know why they don't. They just, over, they just overlook me. Well, it's probably because you're not qualified for the next level. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you all upset. <laughs> Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoiced to see the work begin. Job 8 says, though your beginning was insignificant, your end will greatly increase. Huh? Job got double for his trouble. I like to say it this way, and God will give you a triple for every ripple. God will just work with you. Let me give you the last one, number three. Number three, you have to do what you can. John said, come on, let's cross over. Let's reveal ourselves to them. In other words, let's do what we know to do. Let's just show up. Let's don't just sit here. Let's get up and do something. I didn't put this on the screen, but this is just my personal convictions. I'm just sharing my thoughts as the Lord shares it with me. I believe sometimes faith begins by ignoring the known. Faith begins by ignoring the known. The four lepers said, why do we sit here until we die? If we go into the camp, they're probably going to kill us. Well, if we stay here, we're going to die anyway because we're hungry. So why sit here until we die? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't just keep sitting there. Get up and do something. You have to always be willing to ignore the obvious. Be willing to ignore the obvious. Fulfilling your assignment, fulfilling your purpose is determined by what you're willing to ignore. Not by how many excuses you can manufacture. Amen. Amen. Preach, preacher. Did you know that Walt Disney was fired from, from a newspaper editor's job because he said he didn't have any creativity? Hmm? How many know he had to ignore the obvious? Well, Michael Jordan, arguably, the greatest basketball player of all times. We can argue it, Pastor Corey. We can argue it. We can argue. I don't care. We can argue. I know you think it's whatever. <laughs> Do you know he was cut from his high school basketball team? Because he said he wasn't good enough. How I many you know he had to ignore the obvious? Winston Churchill, the great prime minister of England that led the world through the Nazi Germany fight, failed the sixth grade. But I ain't going to stop. I'm just going to keep rising. Cream always rises to the top, baby. 
Come on, just, you just got to know, you can't just stop just because it's been working against you. You have to do what you can. Amen. Henry Ford went broke five times before he finally succeeded. You got to do what you can. Nothing significant is ever accomplished by a realistic person. God has always had faith people that says, you know what? We're coming into your camp, Mr. Devil. Who, that's what Jonathan, who are these uncircumcised? In other words, who are these people that are trying to fight us who are in covenant? Uncircumcised means not in covenant. We're in covenant. Push on somebody and tell them every now and then you got to pick a fight. Come on, worship team. Come on, every now and then, you just got to pick a fight. Every now and then. Come on, jump up on your feet and give God praise this morning. We'll quit. I, I need to quit. I need to quit so y'all can go. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. I'm so convinced that what God wants to do in this house is beyond the norm. It's beyond the logic. And I didn't, I was, I'm working on some stuff, but, but historically when you read scripture, you find out that some of the most difficult battles that came to the children of Israel came right at harvest time. I just started phrasing what I feel what the Lord was saying to me. It's called harvest battles. They're just harvest battles. The enemy just comes at harvest time, right when you're about to reap your harvest. Demonic activity is a clue that the enemy has recognized your assignment. The pressure of the enemy. Pastor Mark preached on devils last Sunday. Come on, you got to get the devils out of here now. (laughs) You got to get the devils out of here. But when you find all that spiritual warfare and demonic activity, it's a clue that breakthrough is closer than you realize. That's what it is. It's a clue. It's a sign. Warfare always surrounds the birthing of a miracle. Amen. And I feel like this morning, we're about to birth some things in the spirit. Amen. Amen. This this region needs an on-fire, Holy Ghost-filled people that understand that we've been anointed by God. And sometimes we'll just pick a fight just so that we can advertise God just so that we can make God come on that's our slogan so we can make God famous in the Glades region that's what we're trying to do we're trying to make God known it's not about what we do it's about what God does through us amen come on lift your hands all over the building just begin to thank him would you do that for a moment will you just begin to thank God that you've been anointed for the hour Come on, will you begin to worship him just for a moment? We're going to go in about three minutes, but can you just express your last three minutes of praise? Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you that we've been anointed. Been anointed to overcome. Been anointed to stand. I've been anointed to fight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We release a sound today. We declare. 
by the hand next to you and just begin to pray for them now lord we just begin to encourage one another lord we encourage our faith we encourage our walk we encourage our future we encourage our assignment lord we encourage our purpose today in the name of jesus come on you don't know the hand or maybe you do but somebody has got a struggle somebody needs a miracle somebody needs a breakthrough somebody's standing in the gap somebody's for fighting somebody's fighting for something this morning somebody's declaring something will you just begin that great intercessory prayer over them pray like you knew your prayer was about to be answered pray like you knew god was about to step in and intervene pray like you just believe that god is about to show up god is about to show up god is about to move he's not stale he's not stagnant he's a moving god he's a moving god lord we just declare this morning that you're moving into every home you're moving into every life you're moving into every zip code now in the name of jesus father we just bind the powers of hell we bind the works of the enemy lord as we pray corporately as we pray this morning with the tangible evidence of the power of the holy spirit god i pray that their anointing will be stirred up lord you have anointed them with fresh oil let the oil of gladness spring up let the oil of power spring up let the christos let the anointed one and his anointing begin to be stirred in their lives today as we stand as we stand in the midst of all the reasoning of the enemies god we just declare come on just squeeze that hand because power's flowing there's power flowing that's the power that's the power being transferred from one vessel to another you shall lay hands that's what we're doing we're releasing the power lord i come against every sickness and disease i come against every attack in the assignment of hell 
We break its grip. We break its power now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Liberate them. Loose them now. Free them up in the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, if you believe that, just put your hands together and give him a shout. Come on, just give him a shout like you know. No, come on, shout like you know. Like you know, like you know, like you know. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. Jesus has given me when I lift my voice and shout in every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority Jesus has given me. So Lord, we declare that today we have the authority that Jesus has given to us. Lord, I speak over your people this week. Lord, as they begin to move into enemy-held territory, as they go into their places of assignment, God, that that deep well on the inside of them would spring up. And God, they would walk as the anointing of the Lord and release life and hope. Lord, we're coming into enemies' camps to pick a fight. We're letting you know, devil, we're not staying in security and comfort. But we're coming out because we believe we have the victory. We believe that the victory has already been won. Yes. And now we're going to establish it. Every place that the soles of our foot treads, we believe that the Lord has given it to us. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I speak peace. I speak prosperity. I speak healing and deliverance over your people today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. Love on somebody real good. Just let them know you're glad to see them today. Don't forget Tuesday night is prayer. Next Sunday, Pastor Andrew Kennedy will be with us. It's going to be an amazing day. God bless you.